Hello and welcome to College Talk. It's your host, Beth Brandon, and we are here this week with an all-new episode. Today, we're going to be talking about something that uh, most of the students listening to this are going to be experiencing in just a few short months, about half a year. So um, I'm super excited to kind of talk through uh, basically a first year survival guide almost, you know, how to be successful and, and some things to keep in mind as you go through. And I'm excited uh, to be talking about it with my guest and I'm going to let her introduce herself right now. Hi everybody. My name is Asha Shaw. I am a college success coordinator at a high school in the Metro Detroit area. Um, I'm currently in grad school at Eastern Michigan University studying higher education student affairs. All right. That's awesome. So um, we were college advisors together and then you since from like from that experience have been doing uh, some college advising um, like professionally and not just like through AmeriCorps. Um, How you know, what are some things that you talk to throughout those few years with your students, you know, to help them be prepared going into that first year? I think my biggest thing I do with my students is prepare them to make the mistakes that are mm. going to inevitably happen. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't matter who you are or what you are. Like, no matter what, you're going to have some type of mistake or some type of misstep or anything in that first year. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to just give them the confidence to be able to navigate a space. Definitely. So if you miss the deadline, that's okay. But how do we go about in that deadline? Like, right. I tell students all the time, there was one time I made a mistake and missed an exam, like Ooh. a full exam, like sitting in my dorm room, just like, la, la. Um, oh, no. and that was terrifying to me, but also I needed to know how to advocate for myself. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to just talk to the professor. The professor understood the situation, probably gave me a little bit of slack because I was a first year <laughs> student, um, but that I was able to come out and not be penalized for missing an exam. Yeah. And I think that if I wasn't able to at least say something, I would have just not taken the exam. Yeah, definitely. Right. And that would have been just taking the L silently instead of saying, like, Ooh. here are some things that I need to do. And so I think that that's important um, when we're talking about how to just navigate first year is first, how do you advocate for yourself? Mm-hmm. And I start that in high school. You call the financial aid office, you call FSA, you call all of these people by yourself. And if you need help, I'm here. But there's no one that's going to be able to call for you once you leave high school yeah so you need to know how to do those things by yourself absolutely um do you ever find you get uh pushback from students and, and if so like what do you think is kind of the big thing behind that pushback I do think I get pushback and I think a lot of it has to do um just kind of with the day and age that it is mm-hmm. and I think mm-hmm. that everything is available online it's supposed to be right right except for when you need an answer about your specific <laughs> unique FAFSA question mm-hmm. that you need to fall in and I think that the pushback is more so everyone has done stuff for them or they've yeah. never had to do that one thing by themselves it's like you know I've never had to um schedule a doctor's appointment right mm-hmm. so like you wouldn't know how to do that until you first schedule on a doctor's appointment mm-hmm. and I think it's the same thing it's just I'm nervous or the students are nervous to do something they've never done before. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of that is like 
I want you to be confident now so that, or I want you to like get all your nervousness out now so that you can be confident in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just really just making them do it. <laughs> yeah. Even though they don't want to. It's a lot of, I'm, I tell them all the time, it's a lot of stuff I don't want to do. All the time. To do, that all I still do because that is what life is and that's how you learn and grow and become better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's huge is I think. <laughs> Um, the fear piece is always, I think, really big that I noticed too, where students are just like, well, what if I say the wrong thing? And it's like, well, then you figure out what you need to say and you just work through it. Like it's, you know, if, if you, you know, ask a question and they don't understand it, you just ask it again a different way. It's, it's not going to be the end of the world. Yeah. And the worst thing that can happen is no. <laughs> right. And as much as like, no is scary. Mm-hmm. No means that you asked. And if you can ask, yeah. then that's half the battle. Yeah. So a lot of it is not being silent like it's, mm-hmm. there's so many things that I know that students could have had help on and they just didn't ask me it's not yeah. like they, the, the least person that you should be afraid <laughs> to talk to with me like I, and so if you didn't ask me I know you didn't call whatever institution to ask them and so mm-hmm. it's really just getting them comfortable enough to ask questions that they may be embarrassed about or scared about or whatever mm-hmm. to me mm-hmm. and then being like oh I have an answer but that answer is not with me it's with this institution mm-hmm so. Yeah. And that was, it's interesting. Like the no, it's, it's not like, you know, it's scary, but it's not really a big thing. We're looking at like scholarships even, or like calling to ask yep. about like certain things. It was like, you know, if you're already in and like, you know, you're going to go there and you've kind of got this stuff figured out. The only thing that's going to come out of this, like if you, even if you get a no, it's not like you're any worse off than you were before, but you might get a yes and then you're better right. off. So like, why not give it a shot? You know, it can only go up. Um, yeah. or stay the same. And, and so give it a go. And yeah, I think just the fear of hearing the word no, is, or, uh, almost that idea of like, no is like a failure, I think can be really paralyzing yes. for students. And I think that some, especially for a lot of the students that I work with, the population that I work with, a lot of, um, first generation, low income students of color, um, just underrepresented populations. I think a lot of times they've already heard no in other aspects of their lives, mm-hmm. right? And so they've associated that no with just wrong mm-hmm. or I never want to experience that. And I think when and once you go to college, you realize that no just means that you've been asked and that you have mm-hmm. more opportunities um, and that, you know, you can do 25 things. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, and I'll say this for example, like, as a college advisor, I applied to five schools, right, before I was able to place into the school that I'm in now. Mm-hmm. And that, like, that's a bunch of no's. And I could have stopped at any point. But I think that me knowing that that no just means that something else is better or there's something else that has to happen mm-hmm. after this was enough that gave me kind of the motivation to do so. And I tell mm-hmm. myself all the time, that's how I'm here with you. If I would have stopped at the first no, I would have never gotten to be your college advisor Mm -hmm. and so when you think about that you have to just think about like what is beyond that no that no really just means that it's a yes somewhere else down the line it has to be that's just the nature of life like Mm -hmm. there's a yes coming at some point and so it's it's really like not getting discouraged and using that no to fuel Mm -hmm. kind of that extra power in your education. Definitely. I was, I was terrified during the job search of getting like the first rejection letter. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first one that I got, I kind of re- was like relieved because I was like, Ooh, I, that interview was so uncomfortable. Like, I don't think, yep. I don't think I would have gone along with them anyway. You know, it wouldn't have been a comfortable place to work. So it's, it's interesting that, yeah, those no's sometimes have, 
a different, it's not just like, okay, I didn't make it or I'm not good enough. Sometimes it's like, you know, maybe the vibe wasn't there. And like, maybe this, it might end up being kind of like a blessing in disguise sort of a thing. Exactly. Exactly. Um, So one thing that I've noticed, and I think this also touches on that fear and, and the idea of failure is a lot of the students that I work with now who maybe are in academic probation or are struggling academically and they're not really sure how to pick themselves back up, um, don't want to or are afraid or uncomfortable with um, asking for help. And, you know, we kind of talked about the the fear side of that, but I think the other side of it is the feeling of like, if I say I need to go see a tutor or if I have to tell my professor that I'm not getting this, that's like, that looks bad on me. And I would, I'd love to kind of dispel that because I always look at college, like you're here to learn. If you know everything, like why are you wasting your time and money? Yes. I, you know what? I, I think it's one of the biggest things I say all the time. Like the way I made it through a uh, business school uh, was that I went to go get a tutor, like mm-hmm. literally like, and, and I tell this all the time. If you get a tutor after you've already failed an exam, you're already too late. Yeah. Right. Cause that means that there was a lot of stuff that you don't know. Mm-hmm. And so if you start off your semester with a tutor, then you just never fall behind. Yeah, that's so And so, so that's true. what I did. Every accounting class, every econ class, every math class, like I just had a tutor all the time. And mm-hmm. yes, these were these services were made available because I was a part of a certain program and um all of these things, but it was I did seek out the program to be part of. I'm yeah. like, well, they're cultural business students, that's what I need to be a part of mm-hmm. if that means that I have access to these tutors, right? And these were like group sessions. It was just three people and we talked about whatever we went over um, in class that day or in that week. And mm-hmm. so that became a part of my habit. So just as much as going to class was, also going to see a tutor was, just as studying was. And I think that once you realize that a tutor doesn't mean that you, a tutor means that you don't know something mm-hmm. that you, and you want help, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that you are incapable of knowing that thing. Yeah, yeah. The it's, tutor helps. It gives you access. It's a, it's a resource. It's a tool. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, it's, you want to be able to use your resources at whatever institution you go to. They're there for you. And I think that those are the things that are like the most underutilized. Mm-hmm. The tutoring services at dorm rooms mm-hmm. or um, you know, the tutoring services in your colleges, your, you have office hours with your professors and they don't do anything at the office hours. Mm-hmm. Why am I blocking off five hours to talk to students when three come? Right. Yeah. I have, you know, like 3000 students or how many <laughs> thousand students, right? You have all of these students and then no one comes like what, what's the there? purpose? It's, yeah, yeah. It's like, you, yes, you're required to have them because you're a professor and all of this. Stuff. Yes, that's true. But also, the student, like to students, like the professors want to see you, mm-hmm. and it looks so much better. It's so that's how I have so many good relationships with a lot of my professors because I was just like, well, I'll go see them then. <laughs> if no one else is going to see them, then I can go after every class and ask every single question I have. Yeah. And then I'm confident in my ability to perform this work and to do this work. Um, and when I'm not. I can still say, hey, I, w- I didn't understand this. Mm-hmm. Um, and you build a relationship with a professor that, you, I don't know, you might have to ask a letter of recommendation for or yep. do all of these 
other things that's beyond that but it started off because I needed help mm-hmm. and I asked for it and I didn't quietly fail mm-hmm. and I think quietly fail just means that you're paying for a class that you, that oh. you didn't pay that you didn't pass like yes. at the very base of it <laughs> right you're you're just you're just wasting money yeah yeah yes. which is such such and time because you're gonna have to retake it if you stick on that path okay. Exactly. Um, I remember one time in, in undergrad, I was, I was going to fail, like I was going to fail a class. I don't think I got anything higher than a D, um, on like the exams and that. Yeah. And I went and I talked to the professor and I was like, okay, this is what I've been doing. I'm spending this many hours a week studying. This is how I'm studying. And he was like, oh, you're studying wrong. And I was like, what do you mean? I'm studying wrong. Like you just, I'm doing my flashcards for the formulas. Like I'm studying. And he's like, no, 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 no. Do it this way. And like, I didn't, you know, phenomenally all of a sudden, like magically get an A on the next exam, but I got a C and then the next one was a B because I, you know, and I'm like, gosh, these are the people writing the exams. I should be asking them, you know, how do I, how do I study for your class? Like how, you know, and it's, it's, it's wild. The, just how easy they can make, um, make it to understand what, like the way they want you to learn even. And it gives you like a different perspective. Like sometimes you think, just like you were saying, like you think that you know how to study for mm-hmm, that class. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a professor will suggest something that you just never thought of. Yep. Or someone else will suggest something that you've never thought of. Yep. And sometimes you can talk to your professor for hours and hours and hours and the way that they're telling you to go about this calculus problem mm-hmm. does not click. You talk to your friend for two minutes and you're like, oh, yep. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, And so, it, but you wouldn't know that if you didn't tell anyone that you need help. Because a lot, a lot of times, even your friends, yep. like they can be your tutors because your friends, they like, that's an extension of you. Like who, let's pull our resources together, pull our knowledge together so we can all thrive. Mm-hmm. So what do you, what do you need help with? And mm-hmm. what can I help you with? And like those types of, asking those types of things, because a lot of my friends were the ones who were like, all right, yes, let's go over these math problems again. Yeah. Like we need, <laughs> we need like, to get man, this down. We need to study I thought more. I was really good at math in high school. When I got <laughs> to college and I'm like, wait, what? Um, but it was that like, Oh, but remember when we said it like this and they, and they were able to pull off of something that we had previously because we knew each other in high school mm-hmm. or just any of those things. Like you just don't know who is going to say that thing that clicks. Yep. But you still have to talk about those things because that's the only way you'll know yep. if, you know, someone else there has some, I don't know, view of knowledge or something different than mm-hmm. you. So. That was one of, um, I was kind of like working when I was working at West with at Western as a grad assistant, I was trying to figure out how do I get the students to like engage and give more ideas. Mm-hmm. And I was looking through some like Brene Brown stuff and, and she's talking about like vulnerability is like honestly the key to creativity because if you're in a space where you can like ask for help or give an idea and not have someone like shoot you down right away, that is like where like all of a sudden someone's like, Oh, you know, let's give that a try or like how can we expand that? Or someone's like, I see what you're saying. What if we looked at it from this angle? Just putting the the like idea or asking the question or the thought out there sometimes is the thing that really sparks the the change and it's like yeah. you just gotta kind of take that leap of faith and usually For it works sure. out. And I think like a part of it, right? A lot of it is that. Is or particularly for um, first generation students, mm-hmm. is that there's an imposter syndrome associated with coming to school. Yeah, like y- you don't, you have really no basis of what college is mm-hmm. because no one around you mm-hmm. has gone to college, mm-hmm. and so 
when you do that, it is hard. It's just hard to even say that I don't know this, but I might not know this just because I didn't have access to the information that this is. Right. Especially if the people around you, the people on your floor, the people, you know, I don't know, in whatever association or organization you're in, like when those people know a bunch of stuff that you seem to just not know, Yep. it's hard to hey I don't get that Mm -hmm. and I think that that's why like those programs programs that are dedicated to um, assisting first generation students are so important Mm -hmm. because they need that safe space or brave space to say those to be vulnerable Mm -hmm. and to say that they don't understand something and to not feel like it's something bad yeah like it's it's not like just because you didn't have access to something doesn't mean it's bad that you didn't have access. Yes, that's a problem with the system mm-hmm. for sure, but that's mm-hmm. not a problem with you. Yes. And so I always like kind of tell my students that too, because a lot of them like, you know, I send them off to Michigan State and I, and I try to tell them like, you know, there's just a lot of stuff that happens that you, you know, you just, it just, it seems so outside of what you're used to. Mm-hmm. And so it's a learning curve with any institution. It's a learning curve, mm-hmm. but you try to make sure that at least they have the basis of who can I find and who, how can I cultivate this safe space yep. so that I'm able to be vulnerable and so I'm able to thrive. Yeah. I remember, I remember showing students how to just like Google, like how to like, this is how you yeah. find the admissions office. This is how you find the right. phone number for the, just because like that wasn't, you know, if they needed a phone number, it was just like, here's the phone number handed to them kind of a thing. And, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's definitely, if no one's ever shown you how to do that, or if no one can give you advice on, on, you know, yeah, you should try going to office hours because they, you know, right. folks at home or, you know, friends haven't had that experience. It, um, makes it really hard to know like, okay, these are the steps I should take. Um, but you're right. That's not on the student that's on, you know, faculty and staff on college campuses who aren't looking out yeah. for students and, or it's, you know, on, you know, while I, you know, they're definitely super busy. It's on teachers and, and counselors for not like having students take those extra steps, you know, in high school yeah. and trying to like figure those things out. But, um, you mentioned friends and that's another thing that, um, I've noticed sometimes students who are struggling are a little socially isolated or they haven't really figured out how to step outside of their dorm room or get involved on campus. I would love to talk about, you know, yes, you know, you got to get out of your comfort zone and ask for help, but how do you get out of your comfort zone and make friends in college you know I say this because I came to college with my best friend right so I'm always Mm. like it was like I had like a little like duo and we could just kind of attack this together Mm -hmm. but eventually because our our things oh drastically different our majors were so drastically different I had to still go make my own friends yeah and a lot of that was those first like two weeks of school, like mm-hmm. if you're going somewhere that has a campus, those first two weeks of school are very important mm-hmm. in making friends mm-hmm. because no one knows what's happening. <laughs> like, That's true. It doesn't matter. You just if you're scared, everyone else is scared too, so it's okay. Mm-hmm. So go to the you know the um, cafe or you know the dining hall by mm-hmm. yourself and then just go sit down with someone. Yeah, because it's very likely that they want someone to sit with them too absolutely because everyone's nervous but also if you know those big type of events that say here are all the organizations there's so many organizations no matter what type of campus two year four year there's organizations there Mm -hmm. and they need people to be a part of those organizations Mm -hmm. so 
the easiest way and the biggest way that I made friends was joining the university activities board. Like we put on the events for the entire university. Yeah. There, you are going to make friends because <laughs> that is the only option. Yep. <laughs> like there is no other option. And so, but joining something and I always, one of my biggest things I say is that you join an organization that's for fun. Yep. And you also should join an organization that's for your professional career. Yeah. Like, what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. Or your major? And so, you can join however many organizations you want. But at the core of it, you should have those two. Mm-hmm. So, find whatever feels like home. Whatever feels fun. Mm-hmm. That's like your organization for your pleasure and your play and mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and the one for your, for your major should be two. But sometimes you have to like wear suits or you got to go dress up a little bit more <laughs> yeah, or, yeah. or you're talking to this company and it might feel a little suffocating, but um, you still at least are knowing information about, right, the, what your career path is, what your potential career path is. But those things like you want to have a solid group of friends mm-hmm. that are in your department or in your major or your college mm-hmm. because those are the people who you're like, Okay, so I was taking this one class and I don't remember any of this, but can you help me? And they yep. will because they've taken your classes. And then you just want to have a diverse group of people, like people from a business and psychology. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I have my pre-med over here. Like um, those people that are just your friends. You go out on Saturdays and Sundays and Fridays and mm-hmm. all the other days if you want to go out. Um, you know, and I think that it is. it takes some time to... Realize, I think my first year, I realized that I thought I had a lot of friends, mm-hmm. and they're not, and it's okay. Yeah. But, you know, it is, it's just, how do you know who your real friends are if you don't make friends at all? <laughs> like, exactly. You, you just have to talk to people, yep. and it's hard, but going to events or, like, just things that you like. Yep. If I like to watch this movie, and they're having a screening of this movie, let's go stand in line and watch this, and I guarantee you're going to, like, stand by someone who also stand by themselves and they yeah, want to talk. It's so true. Um, I've met so many friends just like standing in lines for football games. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> like, and, it, and, you know, I, did I expect to be your friend for life? Maybe, maybe not. But at least we had this, like, this was my standing football friend. Like, mm-hmm. all right, every Saturday I'm going to see you. We'll stand in front of the line together. Yeah. And we'll go to these games. Yeah. And that's that's a great point, like sporting events or like if there's yeah. like a campus screening movie, ask your roommate or ask the person across the hallway in your residence hall. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe they'll be like, well, I'm already going with my friends. You should come with me. And then like bonus, you get to make more friends, right. you know, like yeah. three for the price of one, basically, you know, exactly. uh, <laughs> you know, but it's just again, it's all about that asking. You just got to shoot your shot and give it a go and like just try. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. I There's. I think that all of it kind of comes around to like, it's going to be uncomfortable. Um, and you're just going to have to, I think prep yourself and be ready for that. But like when you lean into that and whether that is in terms of like, if you're taking a class, it's really hard and it's uncomfortable. If you lean into that, you're going to learn a bunch. If you want to make friends and you feel uncomfortable walking across the hallway to go ask someone to go eat with you in the dining hall, lean into that. You know, if you're doing something where you're learning about like, diversity inclusion and maybe you're from a rural area like I am and it's super uncomfortable at first lean into that like that's where the amazing things happen and I think that's probably the most important thing to surviving your first year is just get comfortable with being uncomfortable (laughs) say like your growth happens right outside that comfort zone Mm -hmm. and it's true and I (laughs) say this all the time like 
I thought I had a bunch of personal growth happening in college, and I did. But the moment I got really uncomfortable, mm-hmm. like the moment when I was like, I, am I sure that this is right? Like, <laughs> that's the moment that I literally had to lean into, one, because that's how I stayed sane. But that was, yeah. it was enough to be like, wow, this is transformative, yep. right? And, and it's because there was this uncomfortable moment, and instead of trying to quickly revert back to what I knew and what I was comfortable with, I was able to take the risk, step out on that, on whatever faith that I had, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and just, in, just in, in, in to be okay with failing mm-hmm. um, in, whatever that, in whatever I did, because, I mean, sometimes that happens, and, mm-hmm. that, and that's what college is for. Like, I think that out of any time in your life, college is the time where you can take a lot more risk yeah because you have a lot more time to bounce back from anything <laughs> yep. that could have hurt you right so yeah. if you were able to take that risk then take it and see where you come from because i mean as someone study finance like high risk high return mm-hmm. you take a lot of risk you'll get a lot back yeah um and so and sometimes it's really good and sometimes it's not but you learn and then you adjust and then you take more risk mm-hmm for sure. And then you get, you know, hopefully more reward for it, which is, which exactly. is always the hope. Yeah. So, um, looking at the time here, I think I'm going to bounce into my two questions. Um, and I kind, kind of <laughs> prepped you for these before. Um, I need to get better at that. But um, what was your favorite class that you took in college or high school or now in grad school? Or maybe you attended a class like a, at a community center or something. What was your favorite one ever? My favorite class ever. Wow. I have a lot of favorite classes. <laughs> but, um, wow. You can okay, do top two still, if you need. Okay, great. Yes. Absolutely. One of my favorite classes was a class I took um, my junior year of college. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time I had a black professor. Mm. And that was like, wow. Whoa. Because um, as someone, I'm from Detroit. I Like when, when people talk about how many black teachers did you have in your lifetime? Mm-hmm. I'm the one that's like 45. Like, <laughs> that's me. Like, that's all I knew. Um, and so Michigan State was just a very stark difference than that. Yeah. Like, I didn't know how much it would be, particularly in the business college. Yeah, wow. And so I took this class, and it was um, a class that we had to talk, and we had to come up with a project about ending some sort of violent extremism. Mm. And the reason why I loved the class so much was because as much as I – thought I hated having a semester-long group project, it really allowed me to see the ideals of a bunch of different people. Mm. We had 25 people. We, we kind of broke up into, like, sectors. Like, we worked on the website, and you work on this, and you work on this. Yeah. And it was, like, an actual competition. We came up with the whole campaign. Whoa. Um, we were, like, in the running to go to D.C. to present on it. Like, it was Whoa. big. But a lot of it was just, like wow, I, I, one, I didn't know some, I have my preconceived notions about the students in business school. Mm-hmm. And so that allowed me to see something like, oh, hold on. <laughs> that yeah. was different. Um, and then the second thing is just like, it was fun. Like I had a <laughs> lot of fun in that class. Um, and out of a, and because that was a very stressful semester, I was like, yes, this is fun. And I, you yeah. know, I still liked it. And it was the same professor, like, yeah, okay, I'll just go ahead. As long as you do this, you know, you're fine. I'm mm-hmm. like, all right, perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my, my other favorite class is kind of like the foundation 
foundational clause of my like college career and it was business one-on-one it mm. is your intro to business it's a business seminar um and it's for freshmen and it's saying like how do you transition from high school to college oh nice and the reason why i love that class so much because it was the hardest one credit class i've ever taken in my life <laughs> i was just like you have to do all of this like it's only one credit like i used to say this all the time but <laughs> this class um it was two academic advisors who were like the facilitators of the class. They ended up being like some of the most influential people of my college career. Oh, and so wow. that's why it was a foundational course. Like it was, I became, I was a TA for business one-on-one twice. Wow. Um, once like for them. So it was kind of like I started off being their student mm-hmm. and then I ended my undergrad career being their teaching assistant. That's awesome. And um, I remember talking to one of the facilitators and, you know, I'm just talking about my graduation plans after I decided <laughs> that finance wasn't for me. Yeah. And, you know, I'm like, I think I'm going to do higher education, like student affairs. And he was like, yeah, I knew that. Like, <laughs> yeah, I already knew that. And I'm like, what? How come you didn't tell me? Like, someone, and he just really was just like, you know, you get to this point where you see something in a student, but you don't necessarily say that to that student. Because for me, and he knew me enough to be like, if I told you you would you should do higher education or student affairs, you would have said, no, I'm definitely doing finance. <laughs> and that's very true. Yeah. Because I don't, I wanted to come to that decision on my own, right? I wanted to find the confidence to be like, yeah, this is not right for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that a lot of it was, he just suggested a lot of stuff for me. Oh, can you do this? Can you help us do this? Can you, all this like fair stuff that I was doing that I didn't realize was student affairs yeah <laughs> all the way up into it and I'm like oh so you just found a space for me in this program that I you know ended up completing he was just like yeah I'm just I just made sure that you had the experiences that you needed that's because awesome. I knew where you were going to go yeah and I was just like that's to see someone in a, in a school as big as Michigan State mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. to see someone who has watched me from my freshman year to my senior year who is helped me figure out all these other things without in me not really knowing he didn't yeah. get any thanks necessarily like he just did it because that's what an advisor does and I yeah that um that's why that's one of my favorite classes because that it opened me up to a lot more opportunities that I didn't even know were going to happen yeah when I was there <laughs> so that's yeah. amazing um, kind of on that, he kind of did like sneaky advice almost, but on the flip side yeah, of that. exactly. Like, here's some, here's some activities to do. I'm like, oh, okay, this is great. This is going to look great on my resume. Yep. like, yeah, I knew. <laughs> <laughs> um, on the flip side of that, what's the best piece of advice that anyone's ever kind of given you? Um, it could be anyone from any, any point in life. Yeah, the best piece of advice. Um, so my mom used to always say, always ask why. Mm. and as I've gotten older I've always done like the for me it's like the five degrees of why or whatever mm-hmm. they say like you should ask yourself if you're doing something you should ask yourself why five times and if you can have answers to every why then yes this makes like a great decision yeah and I think about that a lot because I think asking myself why I was doing finance might have led me to a different path earlier in my undergraduate career Mm. and sometimes I said like college is for exploration Mm -hmm. so I don't I don't like I love my my whole undergraduate career Mm -hmm. I wouldn't change a piece about it I would come out with the same degree again Mm -hmm. but I think it is important that we ask why like why are we doing this and because sometimes like yes you can say why you're doing this for more money (laughs) that's legit because honestly 
that is how this society works right now. Mm -hmm. So you still have to figure out a way to live and survive. So yes. But I think that if you take with you, um, always ask why, Mm -hmm. um, is a good piece of advice just because I think that you kind of want to have a reason to doing the things you do. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes, especially when we're thinking about first-generation students or students from underrepresented communities, they do a lot of stuff for their parents mm. or for their community or for mm-hmm. their family, right? Mm-hmm. And um, you, sometimes it's okay to be selfish yeah, and do things that make you happy. So, mm-hmm. like, asking yourself why. Why do you want to become a doctor? Right. Is it because you personally want to help this and A, B, and C? Or you have this experience that led you to A, B, and C? Or is mm-hmm. it because... You know, this is what someone expects. Right. Because what happens is really passionate and all things. um, You're just not going to like it. It's not going to be fun. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. College was really hard for me. It was challenging, but it wasn't hard because I loved it. Yeah. Like at the time, I loved what I was doing. And the moment that it became hard, I knew I didn't love it more. And that's like, oh, I got changed. This is is fun. Mm -hmm. And so... Yeah, asking yourself why. Why are you doing the things that you're doing? Why are you in this club? Why is the situation like this? And kind of analyzing and keeping those things. And just sometimes you accept it for what it is, and sometimes you can change the answer. And so, yeah. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much. I've appreciated you giving your time and coming on. Um, I do want to ask, since you're doing uh, higher ed and student affairs, um, What do you have any ideas of like what like where you want to go with in that or yes? So um, what's funny is that before being a college advisor, I'm just like I just definitely just want to do you know some form of higher education. I don't mm-hmm. know what whatever, but now mm-hmm. I know that my what I want to do is work with pre college programs or, nice. tri- or trio programs. Yeah. So programs that um, identify and assist students from underrepresented populations and in closing that gap. Mm -hmm. So providing that information to students before, you know, they hit 12th grade. So Mm -hmm. those pre-college programs, a lot of them, right. They start seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade, whatever. Um, But it's because there's a gap. And so I need to help you and teach you and be able to do all these things so that you're prepared and confident in the Mm -hmm. decisions that you make regarding post-secondary education or post-secondary institutions. So, yeah, you'll see me as somebody's pre-college, whatever. Like, that's just what I want to do. And I realized that, like, for a long time, I was just like, I just don't want to work with high school students anymore. Uh But it will either be pre-college or first year. Mm -hmm. Because those are the students who get left behind, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, Those are the, like, we don't, for me... My goal has always been to make sure that students who look like me or who are from underrepresented communities, um, make sure that they have the access to the knowledge and tools to make confident decisions about college. Yeah. That's so amazing. if I can do that, then I've then my goal is met. And so yeah, I'm just trying to be who my advisor was to me, right? That person yeah. who didn't really know was looking out for you but who was looking out for you the whole time. Yeah. That's me. That's awesome. That's amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I truly appreciate it. And everyone else out there, um, thanks for tuning in. And I am excited to chat with you next time on College Talk.